Okay, I want you to imagine that you have four kids and you get up in the morning, you go to work your nine to five, you come home, you pick up your kids, you take them to their four different activities, painting, soccer, karate, baseball. You take them all home, you have a quick dinner, everyone's off to their iPads and their TV shows and doing their homework. You fall asleep and then you wake up and you do it all again. That is the picture of a disintegrated family. But in this episode, we're going to talk about the opposite of that, an integrated multi-generational family team. Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Allie. And this is Uncooked Conversations. Conversations. Where we talk about life, family, business, and everything in between. Hi, and welcome to Uncooked Conversations. In this episode, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, which you already heard in the intro. And I just want to say welcome. Take a minute. Take a deep breath. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. Let's dive right in. Okay, Ali. So what are we talking about today? All right. So we are going to be talking about generational thinking and being an integrated family. And so these words may be like very foreign. You may be thinking, oh, what is that? What does that mean? Well, we're definitely going to go over that and really why it is so important. And what it's meant to us. And what it's meant to us. So this episode is an incredibly important episode. This is actually something that we haven't talked about in the way we're going to talk about it before, because honestly, we didn't really have the language for it beforehand, even though it's something that we've kind of been wrestling with wrestling with and working towards as a family already. And the more that we're diving into these concepts, the more we are realizing how incredibly profound and powerful they are. And so what those are is number one, generational thinking, thinking about your family very generationally, not just like this is my life here and now and my kid's life and kind of that's it. And also being a more integrated family. And so again, you may not fully understand what these words are. We're going to talk about that more, but I just want to stress to you how important and pivotal these concepts can be for your life. And, and so, have been for us. And have been for us. And so I really want you to stay tuned to the very end of the episode. And perhaps by the end, you're going to be like, mm, nope, not for me. And that is totally fine. But I think if you listen until the end of this episode, your mind will be a little bit blown and you may have some really powerful things to consider. So we're going to dive in. Okay. Jumping right off. What we're going to do for you guys is paint a little bit of a picture of where we were probably about six to eight months ago. And then we're going to move into a little bit about where we are at now. So around six to eight months ago, we actually released an episode. I think it was episode 13 around being different. And in that episode, and you can go listen to it if you want the full expanded version, but the really quick summary of it is that I mean, really, ever since we got married and probably even longer in our life, we've always felt different and we've made different choices than kind of like the main stream stream of people people. that we've been around, whether it's like the cool kids in high school. Everyone's swimming downstream, we're swimming (laughs) upstream. Like whether it's the cool kids in high school and we're kind of like the oddball or, you know, in our family kind of being a little bit like the different one in the family or in church context, like all these different contexts that Paul and I have both seen ourselves in over the years. We've always just made really different choices than the people around us. And especially for me being like more emotionally sensitive person put me in a state and us in a state of just feeling more isolated, more alone um, and just feeling like outsiders. And while we were seeing our differences as strengths in a lot of contexts and being like, okay, this is really great. Like we have a lot of strength 
as a family and like I like that we do things differently. It does feel isolating and alone. Hard. Hard. Yeah. And you're kind of like, where are the models for what I'm aiming for? I feel like nobody around me is doing anything like what I'm imagining in my brain. But all of that changed on a fateful night. (laughs) At 10 p.m. Doom scrolling Instagram. (laughs) Doom scrolling Instagram. No, really, it probably was that late at night. And no, were the kids still up? Doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. So it all changed one evening in, I think it was around November 2022, when I was scrolling Instagram and I saw this lovely little square pop up in my screen and it said, Orlando, community hacked. (laughs) Family. Family. Oh, and affordable. 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 Oh. That that was the real word that I don't got really me. want to be an affordable kind of person, but <laughs> man, we were. Well, we are. I think what it was is that Disney and affordable were put together. Oh, and yes. so I was Disney like, oh, what? You've piqued my interest. Because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to go to Disney this year, too. So mm-hmm. that yes. also was a Yeah. So there's all these things. So anyway, so I'm on Instagram and I see this beautiful little square and I'm like, hmm, you've intrigued me. Let me click on your link that everyone tells me to click on. <laughs> so I clicked on the, the link. link in the bio in the bio <laughs> so i clicked on the link and i was brought to a magical sales page <laughs> <laughs> and okay long story short there was this amazing opportunity to go and live in a house for 5 days with other families who were of this none of which we know none of which we knew but who were of a mindset that we had been kind of like unintentionally moving toward for years and years and years. And And also we followed the person who posted it for a little while. Yes. We had not been following this person very long. We don't know them very well. Why we trusted them. God only knows literally. And so it was actually very interesting because it was one of those experiences where I felt very strongly like we need to do this. Like I feel like our family needs this so badly and it actually financially did not look like it was going to work out. And so one night, like we just prayed about it and you know, like we pray about stuff, but I mean, just being candid, like we don't often see kind of like those immediate kind of prayers or whatever answered, but this is just one of those nights where we prayed and I don't remember if it was like the next day or within a couple days, but something worked out to where it was very easy for us to afford to go on that trip. And it was just like a no brainer. And it was like, there are times in our life where we feel a very intense pull to do something, even though it doesn't seem like it it could work out naturally. And oftentimes it's like a pull forward kind of feeling like you just are like, oh, like this just feels like it's going to unlock something in my life if I do this. Or like I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And some people are lucky and maybe they hear like God going, hey, go do that right now. Mm -hmm. Or see arrows like like on a GPS. That has not happened to us thus far. So we felt this draw and Allie did and I mm-hmm. didn't even feel it. I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know about And I think this. that's an important point to make actually because, you know, a lot of times we can feel like, like we need to be in perfect unison with our spouse. But like I felt it super strong and Paul did not. And he was just sort of like, mm, whatever, like he wasn't sure. I mean, happy to go to Disney. So. Right. <laughs> but he wasn't sure about like everything else with it. Yeah. But like, because there were certain confirmations that happened that just felt like, like this divine alignment and timing, it was like, okay, I guess we're going. Like, I guess we should go because it feels like all the yeses. And like, if we didn't go, it would be a really stupid thing not to go. 
long story short, like everything ends up working out and we end up going on this trip, this two week trip down to Florida to participate in this event and another one. And it truly was absolutely life changing for us. And yeah, but not in the way like other people like, oh, it changed my life. Like mm-hmm. it changed something deep inside of us by being surrounded by these people who were striving after this idea that we were striving after and seeing how it actually worked in their life. Mm-hmm. And like, I think too, because they also managed to build multiple businesses and like it really was taking care of them and they were loving and opening these doors for all of these other people. And it felt because I've, I don't know if you felt this way, but sometimes I feel like, oh, if we want this thing, we can't have wealth. Or if we want this thing, we can't have Mm -hmm. freedom. Or if we want this thing, like, and so it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what we've been desiring. Yeah. And so I think pulling it back to, you know, where we've been aiming our life for so long, like we've made all of these different choices in our life, but we haven't had a really clear and good template of like, how do we actually do this? And is this realistic? Is this possible? And so like what Paul just said, like going on this trip and getting exposed to these people that are actually living out what we have been imagining for years and didn't yeah, just didn't really know like how possible it is. We're just um, aiming in the dark. And yeah. finally we see somebody who's like a bit ahead of us with uh-huh. a torch and we're like, there are people on this path. It's not just us. Yes. Yes. And they're actually ahead of us and they're successful in it. But yet we had never really been submerged in that culture of people yet. Or seen families. Or seen families doing doing what we've been trying to move towards. What I feel like what happened is like we were not only surrounded by people who are like doing this thing that we have been grabbing for, but there was so much more to it. And we were introduced to even bigger concepts, which is, you know, what this whole podcast is about with this generational thinking and this integrated family and like getting language for all of this. And so why don't you share a bit like more about just what is this multi-generational thinking, like what is that phrase that they use in the family teams? In family teams, they call it a multi-generational family team on a mission. And so the idea is that the mission lives on beyond you, right? And so you're building your family and in other cultures, this is completely normal, right? Like you might have a seventh generation shoe shop that for seven generations, they've been building this shoe shop. They've been, you know, learning the skills. They've been learning other skills to make the shop better. And in like our American culture, we have something that's talked about as like the nest thinking. Like we think about having families in a nest and it's like once they get to a certain age, then they fly free. And this is sort of like our job is just to take care of them in the nest. And then once they're big enough, they just go out of the nest. And so with the nest metaphor, it's very individualistic, right? Like if you think like an eagle or something like eagles, they fly, then they fly away and they never come back. There's not like this, like working together towards a common goal afterwards versus this tribe mentality, right? When you add someone to the tribe, they don't go out from the tribe. They stay in the tribe. They bring more value to the tribe and the tribe brings value to them. And it's really just like literally makes my mind hurt, like blows my mind just how different the thinking is. Cause like even within our family, so like, we're like, oh, we want a really healthy family. Well, what does a really healthy family look like? And within sort of the American individualistic kind of way of thinking, it's like the sons go to individual sports. 
The wife has either her job or takes care of the home. The husband has his job or takes care of the home. Maybe they have their own sort of sports that they do or hobbies that they do separate. Sometimes they'll have hobbies that they do together, but that's definitely not the not the expected the norm, expected norm or the average. And you definitely don't think most of the time of families having hobbies together. Right. Everyone's trying to live their best life and be the best version of them. Like this individual, like even in parenting, it feels That's like our job, right? the goal of parenting is to raise kids that are the best version that they can be so that they can go out and succeed in life. Right. And it's this like, like we're know, building a bunch of individual pieces. Yeah. And then we just send the pieces out, right? And like into let the, world. the wind take it wherever <laughs> it may go. Yeah. And even in parenting, how uh-huh. completely different that is. Cause like if I'm thinking about my sons from an individualistic way, I'm thinking like, okay, I want them to be good at communicating, right? I want them to be good at having a skill to make money. I want them to be good at keeping themselves physically fit so they're healthy, right? Like, Pretty much it can end there. Like you you don't need a lot more than that. Right. And you just kind of set them up to like live the best life that they can and know that they're going to make choices and they're going to experience the consequences of their choices in the future. And like, that's going to be that. Yeah. And like, that's kind of how I was raised. I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? Like you just make a good human Mm -hmm. that generally doesn't ruffle feathers You know, within that, you have like sort of your ideologies and you might be like, oh, but I really want my kid to be an activist or I really want my kid to be a CEO or I really want my kid to be a star athlete. And then you are spending all this time honing them towards this goal for them to be the best thing of whatever thing you want. I know it's kind of weird because like there can be these mindsets in parenting of like trying to chisel away to make this like perfect little not like just this like you're shaping them into the kind of person you want them to be, which I don't disagree with that to a degree, but the way we aiming, right? It's where we're aiming. It's how we're shaping kids to, and we teach them to think in the me, myself and I mentality. We teach them to think about what I want, what I need, how to be my best self. And two thoughts there. One is I heard this great analogy, which is like, you're not shaping kids like clay. You're slowly like, uh, smoothly sanding off more like a marble sculpture. Mm. So it's already in there. The form is in there and you're just like gently helping to like expose the beautiful detail. And I think the difference with this generational thinking, family thinking, the way I'm seeing it right now is when you're parenting in terms of raising an individual child, you kind of there's no glue holding them back to the center of the family. Yeah, so no you, nucleus. So you're shaping them and just letting them go off and live their life. Whereas when you start to think about life and think about your family in terms of a multi-generational family, you're still shaping kids and you're still like, you know, chiseling off and supporting growth within them. But there's also something that tethers them to the family center and And not in an unhealthy way. mm -mm. Yeah. That tethers them to the family center in a healthy way. There's like this glue that binds them, that weaves them into the fabric of the family tapestry. Yeah. And we have been so, so disintegrated as a culture. We're not even, we don't know who our great, great grandparents were. We don't know our history. We don't know our background, our stories. Like we barely know our aunts and uncles, Yeah, let alone like our ancestors. Multiple generations back. Totally. 
going off of what you're saying, what came to my mind is this idea of like many pieces of yarn mm. versus a piece of fabric, mm-hmm. like a piece of fabric. It can be so beautiful. Yeah. Pieces of yarn, like they're not even that useful, you know, <laughs> like they're just like in the wind. Yeah. And it kind of like runs out and it's all one color Yeah. versus like when you have all the yarn knitted together, you, you know, just make this beautiful tapestry. Right. So when you're raising a child in sort of this individualistic thing, you're trying to make them as good as they can possibly be. When you're raising a child with this generational mindset, you want them to be the best parent they can be, right? The best grandparent they could be. Because what's going to happen is now you're teaching them skills to recreate the family. And so they actually have within them, and Jeremy had this wonderful podcast about seeds, but they have within them a seed to reproduce versus like if they're just being an individual and we've taught them to be the best individual, they're going to, you know, be the best individual husband to their wife, who's also an individual to their children who are also individuals who then will be raised to be individuals and it will just keep going versus when you teach them to be the best parent that they could possibly be, then that totally changes the way that, that you raise them because you're like, okay, well, if they have this moral problem that doesn't affect other people, then maybe I don't have to deal with it that much. Right. But if they have a moral problem and I'm thinking about my future generations, my grandchildren and their wife, then I'm like, oh, but this could definitely get in the way of being a good husband. Okay. Well, now we have to focus on that problem. Like now that problem comes into focus because the goal is ultimately like being healthy into the generations. I would love to unpack even more. And even we can talk a bit about some of the families that we we saw on this trip sure. to paint a, a more clear picture of like, what is this word generational family, multi-generational family, this integrated family that we're talking about? Because well, I think also like entering at stage yes, one. Yeah. And I guess that is a good disclaimer, disclaimer. of like, <laughs> we, we are new into this concept of a multi-generational family and an integrated family. While I believe that really for the duration of our marriage, we have been in some way, shape or form kind of pursuing this. And we felt like it was, it's like that little seed within us was trying to pull us forward. We never had language and didn't have like a framework and concept for it. And certainly didn't come from that. We came from very, a lot of dysfunction. Right. But now we have the language for it, but we're still trying to like understand what this means and especially what it means for us as the Parnell family. Yeah. And also creating applications. But we will also at the end give you guys resources that you can go further and deeper into these topics. Yeah. And so why don't you share a little bit more about what is what does a multi-generational integrated family look like? A family on mission like you were talking about. Well, so a few different things set apart a family on mission. Number one is that the goal of the family is not to spend all of their time outside of the family. Right. Like in America, we spend 80 percent of our time at jobs, in schools, like, you know, in vocations, in sports, in hobbies and very little time within the family. Like there's not a lot of, hey, being with the family is literally like one of the best things you could be doing. And I mean, I know like somewhere in me, that was always a feeling I had. And I've always tried to like push us towards that. But it also where, just to clarify yeah. like where being in the family was the best thing. Yeah. Where I was like, I'd rather not give eight hours a day to somebody else. But if I'm going to have to work, why wouldn't I work with you so that I could spend eight hours a day with you? Mm-hmm. You know, and then when we had kids like, OK, how do we create a work situation and environment so that we can have more family integration? But I just had no words for that. But I that was a desire. And so then another thing is that 
like all of the generations until basically factories started to become a thing, all families had a economic engine within it, like almost all of them, like whether you're farming or you have sheep and you're shearing or you're making yarn or you have a store or you're a merchant, like all of these families, it was super, super normal to have some sort of economic engine within the family. And it wasn't until we started to need men in factories that we started to pull men out of the family where they were primarily like running and generating these things with their family together. And so it was normal. Like, you had apprenticing. You, your kids would be in the shop with you. They would be learning from a very early age. What does dad do? What does mom do? How do they do this thing? How do they do that thing? Oh, we've got goats. How do you squirt goat milk? Like it was all just integrated. It was very together. And I think that kind of leads us on to sort of the next vocabulary word, which is integration versus disintegration. If you love our Uncooked Conversations podcast, then you're going to love our new online store. We're adding new items every month to help inspire families like yours to get healthy and to also get practical in how they are moving forward in their healing journey. You can find things on there like the Grief Sucks t-shirt or the Flexible Homeschool Planner and many more items like this. It's our desire to help you and your family flourish. Now back to the show. I mean, it's a little bit what you're already talking about, but it's where the family, like in a family context where the family members are connected together, that there's this interdependency that is happening among the members. And whereas disintegration is, I mean, it can happen both like with family members, like we've talked about kind of this like floating away and everyone's kind of in their separate activities, but it also happens with I guess you could say like time where your time gets just sectioned off of like, okay, this is my work life, my work friends. And then these are my hobby friends. And then this kind is of your life. Yeah. How, like how you- your life is just chunked off into these little pieces and segmented and pulled apart instead of there being this interconnected fabric of like my work overlaps with my play overlaps with my family overlaps with my friends overlaps with my faith like all of these different layers connect together and when you do that when you have a more integrated life like that where these things layer you suddenly don't feel so stretched for time because you're not trying to like have enough time for all of these segmented things, you actually kind of hit five different things at once with one activity. Right. And it also gives you space in your mind. Yeah. It reduces stress. Yeah. So anthropologists in one of the podcasts we were listening to was talking about how anthropologists said that there's never been a time in human like society where humans lives have been so separated into these disintegrated Mm -hmm. pieces where you have like you're saying your work life, you have your family life, you have your church life, you have your hobby life, you have your kid life, you have, you know, your sports life. And it's just so, so, so spread out. And you have your internet life and you have your social media life, you know, you have your email life. And it's just like so, so separated. It's causing so much extra stress on our being because Mm -hmm. we're not meant to be, you know, this multi-divided being, but we're meant to be this like integrated being. So talk a little bit more about the families that we interacted with at really both events. I mean, we don't have to get like specific naming names or anything, but what were some of the qualities and features and actual practical things that you saw these families that we saw these families do that kind of demonstrated like what did their life look how was their life different than kind of what we've described in this like more individual way 
some of the ways that this multi-generational family team on a mission kind of manifests is, you know, one of the families, the kids like we're homeschooled by the mom, but then the father would bring one kid to work every day, like a different child. Well, and also I think something really important here is entrepreneurship. Yeah. So entre- well, we were talking about how like every family should have sort of this economic engine, or I guess how it mostly does. How it used to work. Yeah. How entrepreneurship really becomes a very important puzzle Aspect, piece in yeah. making this work. work. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And so that's how this particular family that we're thinking of has made it work. Yes. To yes. be integrated. Doesn't yeah. mean it's the only way, but it is a very, very important piece. Yeah, it's super hard to do. So that you were otherwise. saying, like with the kids. Um, yeah. So, you know, they integrated their kids coming to work you know, with them once a week. And so whether they were doing their own homeschool at the same time, or if there were small things that they could do in the office and learn so that they were, they weren't separated, right? Like that's seven hours or six hours or however much that time block was where you still get to be with, you know, that child. Whereas normally it was just dad's at work and mom's dealing with everybody. Plus it's one less kid that mom has to manage, which is also very helpful, you know, especially when you have younger ones. And so that was one way. And then, you know, they like, as the kids have gotten older, like the mom and some of the daughters and even the mother, either the mother-in-law or the mother of the husband, all started businesses together. The father and some of his other kids have started different business ventures and then they have multiple businesses. So a big part of this idea of multi-generational family teams, there is a component of business because you have to have something that generates the opportunity to be within the family and also that the family can be integrated within. And they have a whole bunch of stuff on it that's super, super awesome and amazing. And we'll link some of that in our show notes. But another thing that they do is they integrate their faith, right? And so they have started these different nonprofits that produce certain, uh, so that they can like push forward in their own calling and like what they're doing with God and, and to really just have an impact because their goal is to like, the mission part isn't making money. The mission is how do we forward the kingdom of heaven? How do we touch people's lives and help them to come into like a better place with each other, with God, with the world? And to me, that was even just really mind blowing and beautiful. Yeah. And I think also, so just another layer to this integrated family that helps to push forward this generational thinking is the family rhythms and how they have like these very regular rhythms that they do every week to create a glue for their family. So for example, like a Shabbat dinner every, you know, whatever night of the week they decide, let's say Friday night. And so number one, it helps with integration because it brings the family together regularly of like everyone knows to expect this particular, like every Friday night, we're going to do this like big dinner together, but also generationally, just think about that. When you have this one night every single week for 15, 20 years that you're participating in with your family, that becomes such a deeply embedded core memory and something that can become a tradition to pass on to your own family as you're building that. And so you, when you have strong family rhythms, then that actually becomes culture and history that your kids can then reproduce into their own families. And so I think that like these quote unquote, regular mundane things that we do day to day and week to week with our kids 
actually, like if we're super intentional with them, can become part of our legacy and part of this generational way of thinking. Yeah, it's super good. And like with Shabbat in particular, so Jeremy, who's kind of heading this family teams concept sort of in America, I would say, they got a lot of this understanding from being submerged in Israel. And so on Friday night in Israel, Everywhere you would go, you would see 20s and 30s and 40 year olds all going back to their parents' house for these Shabbat dinners. Like it was just super, super normal that the whole family, you would see like, you know, 40 people would be going into this little house to have this Shabbat dinner together and just how important it was. But also like this beautiful integration would happen because of that rhythm that you're talking about. Now, something that I want to bring up here, if you're ready to dovetail to kind of another interesting nuanced component of this whole picture. So, you know, here we are, we're talking about like an integrated family. We're talking about generational family. So we're talking about, you know, families that really stick together. And some of you might be getting the (laughs) heebie-jeebies, feeling really anxious. And like, well, I would never want to do that. And like, you know, and whether it's with your current family in terms of like, you know, you and your spouse and your kids, if you're just like, gosh, I can't even imagine like what that would be like. But often... I think some stumbling blocks. There are some stumbling blocks for those of us who I don't even want to call them stumbling blocks necessarily, but there are some challenges, challenges. some roadblocks that we have. When you have a history of dysfunction in your childhood, if you have trauma from your family, if you have had a very dysfunctional home, you could be hearing everything that we're talking about and be like, goodness gracious. Like I would never want that. I can't Can't even imagine or I can't even imagine how to create that because I have no models. I have no templates, which is literally where we were Mm -hmm. and why we are doing all of this and telling you about it. Yeah. And so for Paul and I, we both definitely came from traumatic, dysfunctional backgrounds and homes. And so we absolutely understand the challenge in pursuing this. And I I think this is something that we've processed together and even have talked to some other people within the family teams about a little bit, not too much of like, you know, it's great if you come from a healthy home and like, then you, you learn about, right in and then you like learn about like this family teams concept and it's really exciting. You're like, cool. Yeah. And like, you just kind of, it's yeah. Family even better. Yeah. It's like, you know, family on steroids. This is great. Yeah. But it's like, what if you're, idea of family is like, it was abusive or there was trauma or difficulties. Why would I want to reproduce that? Why would I want this generational thing to continue? Why would I want to be integrated with that? Right. I mean, and we're not saying to be clear, like that you, you must, in order to do this vision, integrate with very dysfunctional, unhealthy people. Mm hmm. And if it's your husband or your wife, then please seek counseling because obviously, <laughs> like, but what we are saying is that you can be, and I really liked this, the Abraham of your family, mm. right? Like you can start the new story where God says through you, I will bless the, the nations. I will create generations and that you can take that story forward. And if you're a family that you had a great family and it was pretty good, then you can be, you know, that Jacob or the, the Isaac. Isaac and carry it forward. And so 
we're all on different places of our journey and that's totally okay. And for us, like we were coming out of all of this hard stuff. And so what that looked like for us was a lot of therapy was a lot of like relational coaching. We're still doing relational coaching. We still get therapy. Like we still talk to people and are working on healing our inside worldviews and our hearts and our communication and a lot of these things and our triggers. Everyone's got, you know, if you know about triggers, you know all about triggers. If you don't, you know, check it out. But then slowly we're being able to come to a new way of thinking that can lead us to this healthier version of, you know, this multi-generational family team. Yeah. And so I think that for those of us who have experienced this difficult past and we're still healing and working through that, we just want to provide some hope of If you're hearing what we're saying and it sounds interesting and appealing, like hang on to that and also continue to get resources and support in healing your marriage, working on parenting, you know, processing your childhood, all of those things. But you really can create a new family line moving forward from starting from you. You can break the cycles and you can heal and really Here's something else that just came to me right now is that it's going to be good, which I think really ties this together. Well, this thought (laughs) is that when you are a cycle breaker in your family where you came from dysfunction, you came from abuse, you came from trauma, you came from all of these hardships and you have drawn a line in the sand and you have said, "Okay, no more. I am going to heal. I am going to change how I live, how I function, how I parent, how I'm in relationship with friends, with family, with spouses, all of that. You have put in a tremendous amount of work and energy and effort. And especially I'm going to talk to those of us who are parents. When you persist in having an individualistic mindset, you can end up Letting your fruit fly away when you have put in years and many tears into this work of cycle breaking. But if you continue forward in establishing your family from this individualistic mindset, because a lot of us, you know, who are cycle breakers, we say, I don't want my kids to have to go through what I went through. I want to give them a higher place to move forward from. Yes, 100%. And also what can happen is we can still raise them in a way and of a mindset where they are in their own life and moving forward. And then we don't end up reaping the benefit of all of the hard work that we have done and reaping the benefit. What I mean is like relationally. Like a fruitful relationship with them and your grandchildren Mm -hmm. and then your great grandchildren. Exactly. Because, you know, we hope in all of the cycle breaking that we're doing, we are giving our kids a better life than what we had and better tools and resources to navigate the world at the same time, like to what end for us and not that it's supposed to be selfish, but at the same time, like what reward are we getting if we are healing and then just letting our children waft into the world. And actually, I think it's part of the pain that has been inflicted on generations is to not have an integrated, connected family 
I believe that individualism has been so deeply ingrained in our subconscious mind and the way that we look at the world, think and process that it is actually an unhealed part of us that needs to get addressed. Wow. And so I say that again. Hopefully I can say, yeah, why don't you repeat it back? You're saying that you think that this individualism that's been so imprinted in us from the world is actually like almost like a trauma. Like it's Mm -hmm. something in there that actually needs to be worked out and processed and healed because we were built for belonging. We are wired as social creatures to be in connection, to be in relationship with each other, to be in community. And how many of us are trying to heal from the wound of not belonging by ourselves, by ourselves, yeah, by ourselves, which is kind of the irony of it. But how many of us are trying to heal from the pain and the wound of not belonging in a friend group, in a family and individualism continues to activate that wound. And so as we are healing in our, and learning to emotionally regulate as parents and learning to, you know, speak, all the things that we're doing, you know, I don't need to make the list. I actually also believe that healing the individualism mindset, it creates even more healing for us. And we also will get to reap the reward of all the work that we've done because we will have built a family unit that maintains its connection over time. Is this making sense? Basically, like if we as parents continue to instill individualism within our family, we're continuing to break down the integrity of our family. So what happens with less integrity within a family is you have less strength, you have less relational connection, you have less future vision. Whereas if we start to have a multi-generational mindset of the way we're parenting and building our family is we start to build this tribe, the city, right? We build this city of integration and it creates a strength and a unity within the family itself. And also like as our children get married, we can integrate those people and their families. And like before you know it, the tribe, if there's this lot of health there and a lot of love there can grow and grow and it becomes just this whole other beautiful expression in the world. Yeah. Families. That's what, that's what we're here for. Right. Like that's what this podcast is all about is like healing from our brokenness into a healthy vision of a family. And I think all we've really added is like, oh yeah. And that includes my grandchildren and my great grandchildren. So. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, we are going to wrap up this episode of Uncooked Conversations. We hope that you guys enjoyed and got something from it. So We have resources linked down below in the show notes for some of the books and websites that have been helpful for us in learning about this. If you want to continue to learn, because like we said, we are we are still kind of in the early stages of of learning and understanding what this really (laughs) we're on the journey of what this really means for our family and understanding it and how to apply it to our lives. So go ahead and check out the resources that are below in the show notes. So one practical thing you could do if you want to take this idea into your family in a small way is just create a rhythm Mm. and it could be anything, but what we recommend because what's recommended to us is a family dinner. Like we call it a Shabbat dinner. You can call it whatever you want, but a dinner where you're like on Friday nights, we slow everything down. We get all of our family together. We have a meal. And then within that meal, you can create traditions where like maybe in this particular meal, we talk about the week. What were your highs and lows? Like you create a space to know each other 
and to love each other in that moment. So maybe one of your family members has a pretty big low and you just take a minute and you're like, hey, that sucks. Like we really care. Like maybe we can talk about later how we can help fix that or do something different. Or maybe they have a great high and you get to be there and just super celebrate them. Well, hopefully they're having dinners more than once a week together. Right, of course. But like, I think the idea with the Shabbat or the idea with this like family dinner rhythm Mm -hmm. is that you have a special dinner. Mm -hmm. Like this dinner is is not the normal dinner and you carve it out as something that's different. That's like make a big deal of this particular dinner. Right. That is like this is the family like the family night, the family night, you know, you could have games, you could do however you would like to do it. But that's one way you can in a small way integrate this idea of family togetherness integration. You know, it's one thing to listen to a podcast like this and have lots of, you know, hopefully great ideas come to you and to be inspired and all that. But it's a whole other thing when you take these things and you actually apply it and you work it out with other people. So in the spirit of uncooked conversations, we want to encourage you to have your own uncooked conversations with one or two people in your life this week. So our challenge to you is to pick just one or two ideas and one or two people and bring up the idea, the concept to these people and start a conversation with them. Ask them what they think about these ideas or, you know, if they've even heard of it before, how are they applying this in their life? But take something from this episode and start a conversation. You're going to find huge fruit. And plus, if you like these ideas and you're wanting to integrate them, nothing is better to like stick that in your brain than to start having to talk to other people and teach other people. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Until next time, we're we're on on the the journey journey with with you. you.